0: This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are very happy to have you guys along with us and happy late Valentine's Day to all of you out there who chose to celebrate and happy Galentine's Day as well. Absolutely. So we're doing wines from Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'm super excited. You know, Valentine's Day is a a time for people to uh, kind of sometimes just pull out the stops when it comes to... uh, cooking and showering when it comes to food and food and beverage so we've got some good uh we've got some good selections here don't you think dad i think so yeah. so what do you have as your wine and what are your pairings this week i have a brute rose from gerard bertrade and then with my pairings i have a, just a simple shrimp cocktail i have smoked salmon and i have chocolate fudge cake oh nice they ought to go really well. Yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really good. And over here on this side of the table, I, you know, I said I was gonna do champagne or some sort of sparkling, but but I tricked you up actually, and I did bubbles, right? Actually, yeah, and I actually didn't. So, this time I actually let the food kind of guide what I was gonna do. I was running through Costco the other day, found some beautiful looking pork belly, so I have pork belly two ways. I have burnt ends. And pork belly burnt ends, and Mm -hmm. I have a sticky Chinese pork belly. All right. And then I have two different types of chocolate to go with my wine. And my wine is the Shea Vineyard Single Vineyard Pinot Noir from Kenwright Cellars. Ooh, ooh, Pinot Noir. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So not too far off from brand from us. So we'll start with the bubbles and kind of the appetizers, and then we'll have some cake, because we just got to jump to cake. Yeah. And then we'll come back and we'll have the real meal. oh yeah yeah with with good old red wine all right right. but before we jump into that dad we got to talk about the blind from two weeks ago do you remember what you said i said it was i think i said it was like a cognac or something no you said it was a scotch No, and you and you went out there and jumped out there and said uh somewhere around 12 to 15 years yeah, I thought it was a nicely aged scotch. It had a lot of wood on it and mm-hmm. some light mm-hmm. salinity and a little bit of smokiness. So what was it, Dad? Well, I didn't try to church you up, but it was not a scotch. It was an Irish whiskey. Oh, one uh, One of my favorites, it's John Powers. And, you know, it's like 43.2%. It's triple distilled and it's, you know, barrel aged. So that's probably where you're getting all that. And it wasn't smoky, so you knew it wasn't a smoky scotch. Yep. So, uh, well, scotch is a good, a good, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, I mean, that was an okay, I guess you know, that was an okay guess. Yeah. You know, at least I didn't call it actually cognac. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you were, you were during, during your working through what it could be. I think you did say it could be a cognac, but then you landed on scotch. Yeah, but to all of our Irish listeners out there, I'm sorry. I know that's an offense for me to call an Irish whiskey a scotch, and same to all of our Scottish listeners out there. Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna have to just go. You know, I'm gonna have to come out there and do some. It's about the e, but some, it's about a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to go out there and do some actual learning. I'm gonna have to get boots on the ground to do to do a lot better. Oh, boots on the ground. I know. I'm gonna have to. When what's are what's we gonna, going? I don't know. When are we going? I don't know. Well oh. we need to have a Scotch episode, that's for sure. Anyway, enough about whiskey. And now let's turn into our wine. And so, Dad, remind us what your wine is again and what your pairings are. It's Jared Bertrand. And it's a Brut Rose. And the whole name is Clément de Lomox. And I'll talk about that. That's kind of the region. And it's, it's a lovely salmon colored it's not champagne because it doesn't come from the champagne a, area but it is a sparkling yep or you can just call it a cremont Crémant, yeah and this jared bertrade he was born and raised in south france so he knows a lot about making it because his father made wine and gerard learned from the age he was 10 yeah So, he's got a lot of experience under him. I I don't really know how old he is, but he looks to be, oh, it's hard to tell. He's got that grayish hair, so he could be up towards 70. So, that's a lot of experience. Yeah, and Gerard Retard, like, as a group, has been doing wine in the south of France for a long time. They're probably the largest producer of wines in the south of France, period. Yeah. That's where they... They have, they do all these different wines from regions down there, like Lumu, they Corbiere, Provence, you know, all those, all those regions down there that do great, great wine. And you know, a great thing about it is it's affordable. Yes, it is. So the price point on this particular bottle is like $23. Not bad at all. I mean, how can you go wrong with that? And if you, if you get it on Wine Wednesday or whatever wine special there is in twenty twenty or fifteen percent off, man, you're under twenty dollars. Well, you know, it's a hard even even for American sparkling that's not like, you know, Andre Wyclef, Corbier, those sorts of things, it's hard to find, you know, twenty and under bottles, at least in our market right. with our tax rate right now. But it's hard to find that. So for twenty five bucks, it's not bad. Not at bad all. at all. And uh have you noticed it a little bit? I mean, I've been drinking it. Oh, <laughs> I love this wine. I'm very, I'm very familiar. And you with know, this wine. it may have already been on a show. I'm, I can't remember for sure. I don't think it has been. Well, we may think, have done the Jefferson before. We may have oh, done their. Oh, that's what it was. We did. We did a Jefferson. So I yeah, I knew when I was doing my research. I was going. This is deja vu. I remember. <laughs> I remember studying up on this. But uh, you know, the first written trace of wine in this area was in the Abbey of St. Hilaire and it dated back to 825. And if you look at the label on this bottle, now it's kind of interesting. This this label is a 2020. This vintage is a 2020 that I have. On the is 20- it actually vintage? Yeah, it's got a date on it. 2020. Oh, it is vintage. Yeah. And so on the 2019, it doesn't have that 825 on. So that was throwing me off when I was doing my research. I was going, wait a minute, where, where did this come from? Well, it, it's such a great wine that I think what they wanted to do is get that that 825 on the label. And one of the things they do is it's called two different things. They, they call it biodynamic growing farming. Uh-huh. And then another place they call it viticulturing and I think they're very similar. I'd have to you know you'd have to go through a check sheet of both of them. But I watched a video and they're very particular about, you know, about what season it is, how much rain they think they're gonna get, and they they use no herbicides whatsoever. They do make a a you know, they make a liquor of different i want to say i don't want to say vegetables but it's like different um like dandelions and things like that and they'll spray just a little bit of that on the field and one of the other things they do is they they use cow manure to help help with that growing and then of course there there's so many different hand hand picking it, everything yeah so what was the second term you said Via or via, via culturing. Via culture? Uh-huh. Okay. So biodynamic farming is a practice that started in Germany. And like you said, it has to do with seasonal rotations. It has to do with lunar cycles. There's some, also some spirituality connection to it yes. as well. Yes, And But it's not, it's not a religion. It really is a practice of farming, mostly. They call it alternative agriculture, and it's, they call it based on a pseudo scientific and esoteric concepts. And this man Rudolf, you said a German, that's what he is, Rudolf Steiner started this in
1: 1924. Yeah, and so, so it's so, been around
0: for a while. Yeah, so but it's really like the ten one of the major tenets of biodynamic is being true to the land. Exactly. Not really messing with the land too much. Doing as much natural, as many natural things as you can. Like I said, there are some, you know, there are some astrological sides to it. You know, you're only supposed to. There are certain days. You've heard me talk about this on the show before. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard me talk about flower, leaf, and root days. Mm-hmm. There are. I think I think you knocked it on the floor. Supposedly, you know. You can, you're only supposed to harvest on either a leaf or a fruit day because exactly. the other two are not as good days. You know, there are days where wines can taste better. You've heard me talk about it. Oh, you know, I wonder if today's a flower day, which uh, I'll have to look it up and see what today is. I hope it's a good day. This is a good wine. Well, <laughs> it's I, tasting I would, really good. <laughs> you know, I would think it's going to be because we're close to the Lunar New Year when we're recording this. Yeah. It that, just In fact, it just happened, I think. Yeah. And so I think, you know, they kind of go through these cycles. And, you know, I have, and you know, this is the the pseudoscience part of it. There are wines that I've tasted and I was like, man, I've had this before and it was really good. But today it's just not tasting good. It's really flat. And I've gone and looked and it's been a root day or a stem day. Uh, Today is a flower day. uh, So it is a good time for wine. Mm -hmm. And it really has to do with lunar cycles because you have flower, you have root, you have fruit, and you have stem, uh, leaf days. Mm. Those are the four different type of days in the biodynamic calendar. And you know, I, I really one of the things I think to take away from like looking at somebody who's biodynamic is they're they are taking care of the land that they've been given charge of, and they're taking care of the fruit. They're doing things. They're thinking about the land when they make this, not just the profits that they can get. Yeah, okay, okay. But they are huge. Like, the driver chart is probably the, also probably the largest biodynamic winemaker in the world. Yeah. Well, these guys uh, distribute to 150 countries. So, they know what they're doing. A lot of people like the wines. And this isn't the only one, of course. But uh, I love this wine. It's great. It's it's uh, delicate bubbles you know, which means I and mean, we could look this up, the mathematics or the physics of that is how much CO2 is in this wine to make the bubbles I mean, it's effervescing in the glass here, but it's just not you know, it's not bubbling over my glass and it's one of those of course, you know, it's a sparkling so you pour it and then you lose you lose a lot of the bubbles, and then you kind of add to it. I think it's at about the right temperature, ten degrees Celsius. I think that's fifty degrees Fahrenheit. So that I still like my sparkling's a little bit colder than that. Yeah, but um, and it's it's got this salmon color, like I said. It's got this bouquet aromas of like red fruit. I get the strawberries. I get some raspberries. Get a little bread, not a whole lot, but it's wonderful. And I tried it with the shrimp. I did the shrimp uh, cocktail sauce, and shrimp and this wine, okay, It's really good. Yeah. I hadn't got to the smoked salmon, but I think that's going to be good as well. And if we had some red fruit as a dessert, I think I think we'd you know like plums or something like that. I mean, strawberries and double cream would be absolutely oh, delicious. Oh, absolutely! Chocolate covered strawberries as well would be delicious. Chocolate covered cherries, yeah. You know, you know, I think the chocolate's going to go really well with this because there's a lot of acid still in this wine, right? And one of the things about to me pairing with chocolate is you need acid because chocolate usually has a lot of fat in it. And especially, in like, with you have it, you're going to have cake, so you've got all the, all the extra things that go along with cake. But, you know, I really get, you know, I get a lot of lemon with this as well.
1: I as in of, sour?
0: No, as in, like, lemonade. Like, like lemon fresh. Yeah. yeah. I get a lot of lemon. I get a lot of very light fruit. So, mm-hmm. not fully ripe strawberries. Mm-hmm. It's still a little, you know, a little under. I get some you know, white cherry, not really like red bean cherry, but just some like Rainier white cherries, which by the way is a great pairing with this. I've done it before. Rainier white cherries when they're in season. Okay. So good. Cause they're not like you have that light cherry flavor, but it's not, it's not overwhelming. You can taste everything that's going on with it as well. Like you said, there's a little bit of toast breadiness. There's but the acid is just wonderful. It wakes up your mouth. It races through, makes your mouth water, makes you want more. And it, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful wine. Now, are you going to say anything about the region of Lemoux itself? I think you know more about that. I, I can so look it up. I have it when on it my comes check to, sheet. When it comes to the history of sparkling wine made it a, partic- a particular manner, also known as method champenoise or method traditionnel. Lamou was actually making it before champagne. Champagne has made it popular, but Lamou, the history of sparkling wine in mm-hmm. Lamou dates back farther than champagne. And you know, there well, are Well, there's 825, and I don't know when champagne was. I don't know, but there are rumors yeah. that Dom Pérignon actually learned from the monks in Lamou. And they've been making it down in Lamou longer. Now, It is considered a Cremant, which Cremants are sparkling wines made in the traditional method out in France, but outside Mm -hmm. of Champagne. Mm -hmm. We've had, you know, just the last wine episode, we had a Cremant on it. We had the Cremant d'Alsace on there. We have from Lucien Albrey. So you can see like Cremant de Bourguignon, Cremant de Bordeaux, Cremant de Loire, Cremant to, you know. But when you see that Cremant, you know a couple of things. You know that it's a sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. You know that it's made in France. Southern France? No. You know it's made in France. Okay. With the Cremant, because <laughs> Alsace is not in Southern France. No, that's true. You know that it's made in France, and you know it's, ma- it's made using the traditional method of champagne making, or sparkling wine making. Well, these monks were the ones that, I guess they uh, invented Or discovered the secret of effervescence in wines, so that's what I just said. Yeah, I know, (laughs) but I think that's key to. They probably learned this before Champagne did, and that's what you were saying as well. Yeah. Now, as far as what grapes, this is a Chardonnay, Chenin Blanc, and Pinot Noir mix. It's sixty percent Chardonnay, twenty five percent Chenin Blanc. And fifteen percent pean and more, so that's a really good mix. Yeah, that there is giving it some of that roundness that you get. You know, Shinnan is appley as well. Mm-hmm. As maybe you might be getting some of that lemon, that lemon from the shinen as well.
1: But it's yeah, really good. I'm
0: starting to get that too. You're probably getting it because I'm saying it. <laughs> well, that could be true. <laughs> but so I saw you eat some of the smoked salmon. How was it? Oh, very good! I love smoked salmon. Didn't have time to make our own. We used the Alton Brown recipe, and that's a kind of labor-intensive. The Alton Brown recipe is you start the day before because you you put it all together with the with the salt with the with the uh, brown sugar, press it in the refrigerator, and then smoke it the next day. Yeah, you, know, you cure it the day before. Yeah, that's kind of a cure. Yeah it's kind of a salt cure, salt sugar cure. i don't know how this was made this is edwards you know i just cruised by edwards and grabbed it but uh it tastes about the same it's it's a little more oily because when we do the alton brown method and you put it in the refrigerator you press it and i like to use bricks I put it in a uh, like a cookie sheet with a cookie sheet on top and then bricks on top of that. Yeah. That presses that oil out. This has that oil in it, which is not really a bad thing, but I would prefer it to be smoky and drier salmon. Yeah. But still, this is really good in this wine. So do you remember the first time you ever had this wine? Today. No, that's not true. <laughs> I Guarantee that's not true. Well, no, I don't. <laughs> okay. It's, it's one of those things about, uh, do you remember the first time you drove a car? No. <laughs> it just the, I do remember one of the first times I ever drove a car. But anyway, that's so back in there for me. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Do you? I You know, I, I do because I'd had the Jefferson before. Mm-hmm. You know, it was around the time I was getting into wine back in the day when you could buy this for under twenty dollars a bottle. Yeah, and I'd had the Jefferson before, and I was just starting to get into rosés, and I because it was price it was price affordable. I'd had the Lucien Aubrey, and somebody said, "Hey, you should try the dried Bouchard," and I did. And I absolutely loved it. You know, mm-hmm. it was probably for me, it was kind of one of those wines that set me down in the rosé sparkling or even just rosés period. Mm-hmm. And I think also, it wasn't my first time, but very soon after I had it, Clark and Henrik had one of their dinners. Okay. And Gerard Bertrand was featured. So they had a bunch of the different Gerard Bertrards there. Oh, yeah. And that was where I found the Corbiere which is a grenache ramme blend from Corbiere, which is mm-hmm. a region in South France. And I just, I, I think for the next, like, month or so, all the, the only wines I were buying were gerard bertrand wines. <laughs> okay, okay. Because <laughs> they were really good. Mm-hmm. And they're affordable. Right. Like, yes, the price has gone up, you know, in the last 10 years. But it's still. But $23, that's not <laughs> But bad. it's still Don't very be? affordable. And it's great quality, and like you said, they're they have a history, and they have a history of taking care of the land. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know that there are American biodynamic producers that will go spend a year with Dry because they are kind of the, like, the source of yeah. the current yeah. biodynamic uh, winemaking. Yeah, so it's it's great quality. It's delicious wine. What about some uh, Valentine's Day traditions uh, so that you've had with mom over the years? Chocolate cake is definitely a tradition, or or chocolate of some sort. Bubbles is a tradition, not necessarily this one, but uh, this is a good one. This will probably, well, you know. We're recording this, unfortunately, and in Valentine's Day has not happened. And last week I said, oh, we're going to post this before Valentine's Day. Well. I miscalculated, but I've got another bottle of this, and that could be very definitely what we do this Valentine's. You guys usually, it's usually true champagne a lot of times. Though. A lot yeah. of time it is, but Moet usually. Uh, a lot of times it is, but this year, okay, Fresh Market has started this thing about get your Valentine's dinner. It's one price. You can pick what you want. Did you guys get the heart-shaped ribeye? No. Okay. Did you? No. <laughs> no. We're getting the crab cakes and I I'm, I'm uh, sure okay. crab cakes would go really well with this. Any sea, I think any yeah, any seafood except for depending on what how it's sauced and how it's cooked is tuna. Tuna might be a touch heavy for this, but if if it's just like sashimi or sushi style stuff, or right. like a crudo, I think it'd work really well. Any any seafood's gonna go with that. So, sometimes we do a surf and turf, which means a, a steak and a seafood. Crab legs a lot, right? Yeah. If you can get them. Okay, the, the king crab legs, I found out, because of Russia's war, uh, they're off limits. They're out there in the Bering... Set the Bering Strait. Bering sea on the on the Russian side, from Alaska. So you can get snow crab. They're just not as good to me, and they're a lot more work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But
1: <laughs> yeah, that
0: that's sometimes that's definitely what we do for New Year's Eve. We didn't do it this year because we couldn't. Another choice is surf and turf, which means a steak, and I think this wine would hold up to that steak, depending on how you um, seasoned it. it I think this wine will take some spice. Some a heat. little bit, yeah. I'm with you about tuna. At one point, when I was trying to figure out my pairing, I thought, okay, I'm gonna do serving turf. I'm gonna do steak and a tuna, and then I go, I don't think that's gonna work. I mean, you could do so. You could do a serving turf where you could do like pork. I think definitely if you did a pork. Well, I think lobster, like pork chop, lobster. Yeah. yeah, if you did a pork chop and lobster. You know, there or duck, like duck would be fantastic with this. You know, so there are surf and turf options. Just I don't think beef would be the best option for this. If you wanted, if you want to drink it though, I'd be fine. I just don't think it'd be one of your better, one of your better options when it came to the turf part. Well, sometimes what we do is we have bubbles for appetizers would be like the shrimp cocktail and maybe the crab cake and then we and then we come back and have like a red wine with the surf and turf yeah which and that definitely worked oh yeah i know it (laughs) worked you've done it before (laughs) yeah now the chocolate cake works oh the chocolate cake works really well there's enough acid in the wine that just races through that have the heaviness of the chocolate cake And I actually tried it with my chocolate, too, and it works really well, too. Oh, did you? Yeah. Just a little piece of my chocolate. So, I think this wine will stand up to, I mean, it'll stand up to most champagnes. Now, if you're going to go out there and get this, you know, undated champagne, I don't know. But a Cava, I think it'd stand up to a Cava. Yeah. I think a Prosecco. I love Prosecco, and I'm not it trying would to shame it. Kill Prosecco. What? It would kill a Prosecco. Yeah. Well, except okay. for maybe one or two different, one right. or two Proseccos I can yeah. think of. So, um, this, is, this I think, is. I think this is stand up to most American sparklings. There are one or two, like, I guess you could say the American Tete de Cuvées that it wouldn't, you know. But you're spending probably twice as much to get that bottle well, versus this. As we've always said, it's like drink what you like, eat what you like, and if you're willing to pay a hundred dollars for that bottle and you've had it before, and you know what your quality that you're getting, go for it. Well, yeah. Now, and if you're going to spend a hundred dollars and you don't know what you're getting, just be warned. Right. I mean there there are there are a few roses in. You know, in the price range of this one, when I say in the price range, I'm saying from 20, 20 to $30. Mm-hmm. There are only a few that I would think would be like stellarly better. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, one of them, I don't even know if, if you can still find it for that price. But they're all going to be Kermont's, except, you know, Rotor Estate's more than that now. The Rotor Estate Rosé. Oh, yeah, it is. It's more than 30 now. now. Um, it used to not be. But we know what it's like, and so if you want to spend that yeah. money, go for well, it. Well, no, I'm saying comparable price-wise. Uh-huh. Right. I don't think there are very many that will stand above this. I think this will stand above some in its, in its bracket, but it's definitely a great value. Yeah. So this uh, VitaCourcher is another thing that I mentioned, and, you know, it's... It's well known as well, you know, all over the world, It's a very important economical and social environmental impact, because it represents so many areas, and I just I just love the idea of doing this, protecting the you got to protect your grapevines. Come on. Well, it's not just it's not just the vines; you need to protect the ground that's and the ground, below yeah. the vines and. And everything throughout, because it's it's all together, you know it's the concept of terroir, yeah, you know it's one of the reasons you know some people say that oh, you know, old wines that wines that have been made in a place for a very long time taste very different than wines that have been grown in a place for not a lot of time, right, well, one of the things that I w- watched this video of uh, Gerard, and he was he was saying that when you do this you protect your land protect your vines protect your grapes you're creating a wine that when you taste it you almost can taste back for years or however long because you're you're protecting it and so it's going to be the same year after year yeah and the way they're doing it is they're protecting in that special way, because of knowing what the weather's going to be doing, so you know it's 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 a great way to do it, and and you know the, the whole idea of uh, hand harvesting and doing those things. I mean, that's what they do, and that's what they know to do. I I might have to pour a little more, but you know, <laughs> we still have another wine to go we through. We still got another one to go through, you're used maybe to- a blind. <laughs> You're used to going last, so... Yeah, I am, so you, I, I think we ought to just go ahead and move over. Okay. Wait a minute. Did you... What did you say about the chocolate cake? I said it was really good. You did, too, right? Yeah, I did. I said it was real good. Yeah. All right, well, let's switch over to my wine and pairings. As a reminder, my wine is the Ken Wrights Shea Vineyard Pinot Noir from 21. And my pairings that I have are, I have pork belly burnt ends, I have a Chinese sticky pork uh, pork belly, mm. braised pork belly, and then I have a Lindor truffle, and then I have some of that Portuguese chocolate that we had a couple episodes ago. Yeah, with the raspberry filling. I think I'll just start there. All right, we'll start <laughs> wherever you want. Now. So what do you? When you're well, I'm just looking at the wine right now. I'm just so so excited. It's a red wine. Is it a you said it's from Oregon? Is it a blend or is it, it is a, a Pinot Noir? Straight Pinot Noir, Yes. Concerned. Okay, it's a Pinot Noir from Ken Wright Cellars, and this is a single so this is a single vineyard wine. Okay, this is from the Shea Vineyard. Now, this is. The Shea Vineyard is in the Yamhill Carlton ABA. Uh, So it's its own little ABA there. And Kenwright is, I guess you could say, newer when it comes to wine. Or, you know, I guess you could say newer when it comes to Oregon wine. But that's really kind of relative. Because Kenwright Cellars was founded in 1994. Oh, okay. And the owner of Ken Wright Cellars, Ken Wright, moved from from California to Oregon in 1986 and started Panther Creek Winery, or Panther Creek Cellars, and then he switched it over in 1994 to Ken Wright, to Ken Wright Cellars. They have been doing, they've been doing it ever since. But he actually grew up in, bourbon county he grew up in lexington kentucky
1: and Mm. you know what got
0: him out there well he left and went to school at uc davis to study enology and viticulture but because he was you know in a in kentucky in a little bit higher money area he put himself through school waiting tables and caught the wine bug from Mm. waiting tables there you go. And so he left and that's where he ended up studying at UC Davis. And then he was he was a winemaker and worked in the Central Coast for names like Tabit and Shalon and Veneta. And these are really well known wineries in the Central Coast of California. And then, you know, having you know, finding you know, fine friends like you always do when you're in the wine world. You know, he made some friends. No, they find you. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, you know, he made friends that were from the Willamette and started to visit and had his first visit to Dundee Hills in 1976. And he's like, this is where Pinot is at in North America. Right. And so moved up, like I said, moved up there in 86, started the other one. That's where he kind of came up with a concept for what he does. And it's a it's a it's a beautiful wine, I'll tell you this, man. It's got a lot of earth on it. hmm Beautiful red color, that ruby red, that uh pyraminesis out at the end. Um, like I said, a lot of earth. You're not get that dark fruit that you're gonna get with, you know. Well, and you know, here's the thing about so for Pinot heads, for Oregon Pinot heads, Shea Vineyard, like this, this this vineyard is extremely, extremely well known as a vineyard. Originally planted in the in eighty nine, there's four point five acres that Ken Wright Cellar has, and there's a total of one hundred forty acres in this one little vineyard. And it's like I said, it's in the Yamhill Carlton ABA. And it's got a little bit of elevation to it, but you know the yamhill is a little bit more westerly, I believe, toward so it's a little bit more toward the ocean than the Willamette. Okay, so you've got a lot of really, really good stuff coming out of here, and you know they they talk about all the different clones that are that are in the vineyard itself, but this is just it, to me, it's just really good peanut. So now he bought the land and he started the vines. No, so he buy so he, from my understanding, the way it kind of works is he leases plots, and kind of works with the vineyard managers of these different vineyards to bring in the juice from the areas in which that he has leased out. Oh, okay. And kind of puts them all together and does. And the thing that he does is he does single vineyard. Almost, I believe, all of the Pinot Noirs that he does, no, almost all the Pinot Noirs he does are single vineyard, single vineyard Pinot. So because of that, this is, you know, a little bit more of an expensive wine to find. This will, on a liquor store shelf, would probably run you in the area of 60 to $80 a wow. bottle. Okay. But I, you know, from this, you know, I, I think it's worth it restaurant It's going to be a little bit more, but that's restaurant of course, before. yeah well, I tried to burn ends with it, and that's fantastic. So how did you do those burn ends? So this is pork belly that I cut up. I put them on a on a sheet pan with a rack mm-hmm two seventy five in the oven. I covered them in gates rub and honey, okay. And put them out on the sheet tray, on the rack, and then about every 30 to 45 minutes, I spritzed them with apple cider vinegar and liquid smoke. Ooh, okay. And so I'm, get, I'm getting some spice, okay? And I was trying to figure out if I'm getting the spice from the wine or the food. And the way you described the burnt ends, it's got to be from the burn ends. But there's a lot of earth in this wine. And there's some baking spice element to the wine as well. Yeah, well, definitely baking spices, but not spicy spices, not hot stuff. Oh, okay. That's what I'm getting. And that has to be from the burnt ends. And then I tried the pork belly, and there is such lovely fat with this wine, the acid of the wine, the lovely fat. Oh, goodness. That is good. Uh, so they cooked for about three hours in the oven. About halfway through, I flipped them over on the rack, and I almost, <laughs> but I didn't, kind of like coated them in barbecue sauce, in Gates barbecue sauce, and and some more honey. But I didn't. Good. So I think that would have kind of, and Jordan kind of agreed that that would kind of kill the flavor mm-hmm. of the of the burners itself. Because they they are nice and toasty. They are, you know burnt. You know, they've mm-hmm. got that nice extra, you know, caramely, caramelyness to it. You want to put it on pause and pour some more? It's Really good. So he's not been doing this since, what'd you say? 1984? 1986 was when he started the first little cellar group that he did, and then in 94 is when he turned it into Ken Rice. But he's been, you know, he was a winemaker, and worked in vineyards since the mid-70s. Okay. So what are you tasting in the wine, just the wine itself? Well, I told you Earth, and I, and I told you some red fruit. So I, I think I'm getting raspberries and blackberry, that kind of thing. It doesn't seem to be fruit forward. It's just nice, mellow fruit. Yeah. And then we didn't talk about on the nose i get a lot i get a bunch of fruit on the nose i do too i get some maybe that's when you get it on the nose that means fruit forward no but it could be if you get it on the nose and then you taste it and it's all there it just didn't seem to be in the flavor it's definitely on the nose now what what fruits are you getting on the nose so i get a lot of like dark cherry Mm -hmm. i get so a little bit of blackberry Mm -hmm. you get a lot of like flower like deep red flower kind of smells. Mm-hmm. And we both said baking spices. There's some earth, you know, some like turned earth. Almost and there's almost like some savory herbs. Now how long is is this put in a in a barrel? Uh, I believe it is. It doesn't say. Okay. Well mine was put in for like eight months. But this seems to be put in for longer but red wines, you know, red wines just have so much depth of flavor. Pinot Noir, it's like I said earlier, there's just a little bit of Pinot Noir in my wine. And this is 100% Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir, I just love Pinot Noir. I mean, cabs are wonderful. But Pinot Noir, it's just kind of that everyday wine if you want to make it that. Because you can have that. We can have that with this with this salmon or, this, or the shrimp. And then we can come over here and eat this heavy meat, and the Pinot Noir just takes it all. So this has been aged for ten to eleven months in twenty percent new French oak barrel. Oh, okay. Okay. So you do get that kind of depth of flavor. They talk about you know this vintage. So in two thousand one, it was warm, you know, and you know everything kind of worked, kind of worked well. There wasn't much disease going on. With it, it... COVID. You know, well, for the vines. Oh. <laughs> um, the fermentation worked worked well, didn't kind of mess with them. And so, you know, you were talking about, like, the ability for a Pinot Noir to go, you know, from lighter to heavy foods. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the mark of a, well, a very well-made Pinot Noir to do that. I mm-hmm. think there are Pinot Noirs out there that will not do that. Yeah. yeah. And if they're... And I think... But if there are, and they're on the cheaper side, they're not all Pinot Noir. Okay. There'll be some Syrah in there to kind of give them that bottom note, kind of that big balance out, that color. And I think I think you can tell that this is a this is a special, this is a higher end, this is a, you're going to pay a little bit of money for this. But it what it does is it allows you to, it gives you that range. Like you talked about the depth of the wine how, you know, how there's a lot going on too, but it all is pieced together very well and not overly one way or the other. Right. And what happens to me is that w- whether I'm eating the the pork belly that was uh, braced on the rice or I'm eating the burn ends and I get that little bit of spice, then I have that drink and there's enough acid to counteract a lot of that spice but then it makes my mouth water yeah and it's like give me some more of the drink give me some more of this wine and it's it's such a good one it's like you said some of them some of the Pinot Noirs we've had whether on the show or just outside the show you'll have a Pinot Noir and it's like it's thin that's the only way I can really describe it this one is not thick but it's not thin like some of those are. Yeah. And so this, this Pinot Noir has enough depth and enough body that when you taste it, it really coats your mouth and it's not thin going down your throat and not being there later. It's there. And so I really like it. I'm choking a little bit on the $80 if well. that's the price. Well, I mean, now that I've had it, I might not show. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, you know, Valentine's Day is a time where you can pull out a more special bottle, one that's going to cost you a little bit more. It's a you know a little bit of a celebration day mm-hmm. or a time where you can spend money on yourself or right. or your loved one. And so that's why I mean, yeah, but also at the same time, the, to me, this tastes. Worth the dollar amount that it's going to be. Okay, okay. Like it, it has all that depth of flavor that you're looking for. It's not like you said; it's light on the palate, but it's not thin on the palate. It right. is. You can tell it's lighter embodied, but there's so much going on with it, and this is only twelve eight. Alcohol oh, okay, bottle. okay. I don't even know what mine is. I'm looking. Mm-hmm. you know another thing about the kinright you know kinright wines and one well, reason that this is a little bit more expensive you know is it's smaller production there were only a 100 or excuse me 1432 cases of this made oh so some of that exclusivity is going to drive the price but it's a single vineyard like right keep going back to that that just causes the price, obviously, to go up a little bit. But I think it's really worth it. I think something you can tell that they're doing is he's not just single vineyarding to single vineyard. He's wanting to show the specific terroir, and I think it does show it very well of what you can find from Shea vineyards itself and the Yem Hill College area. So now he's getting cooling from the ocean, Pacific, but he's in a region that has good warmth for those Pinot Noir grapes. That's a question. Well, so you don't want an overly warm environment for Pinot Noir. No, but I'm saying the cool one. Yeah, you want... eh, Pinot Noir is... It's a finicky grape. Mm -hmm. It's a very finicky grape. It wants to be... Like, you have to warm it up cool enough or you have to warm it up enough so it'll ripen, but you don't want it to get too warm that it will... That it will go bad on you. That right. it will kind of cook on you or go over, overly ripe. Yeah, and it's it's very finicky. It's it's hard. It's hard to make a great Pinot Noir, and that's why a lot of people will add things to Pinot Noir because it can go thin on you. It can go it can go overly bitter on you. There's a lot that can happen in in the making of Pinot Noir that will just make it not good. Right. And you can tell that this is good Pinot Noir. You really can. Well I just tried the uh chocolate with the rasp is it raspberry? Yes, raspberry center. That is really good. Okay, we why we had that last week or week before last. Whenever. A few weeks back. Why is it good? Because that raspberry I'm you said different fruits than i did and one of the fruits that i said that i'm tasting is raspberry okay and so that chocolate with that raspberry makes this wine kind of meld because i'm getting that raspberry in the wine and then i get the raspberry in this in this chocolate filling yeah and then the chocolate itself both of these chocolate the chocolate cake I don't need to try it because I know it'll go well with this wine. (laughs) But that raspberry kind of gives it that other layer. I got raspberry in the drink. I got raspberry between the chocolate. I got raspberry, raspberry. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, boy. (laughs) I mean, I haven't even got to the chocolate yet because the pork belly's... Oh, the pork belly's fantastic. Really good with it. So, I like... Something that that I do when it comes to Valentine's Day is... You know, it's it's not only a time where I'll I don't, I don't really care about the price of a bottle. Like it's a time where I'll buy I'll pull out or use a a nicer bottle of wine. But it's also a time where I'll cook a little bit more, right. where I'll go a little bit more fancy schmancy when it comes to cooking or use ingredients where it costs a little bit more. Got you. But so what are you thinking of doing? I don't know. I mean, I got all this pork belly. I might eat more pork belly. (laughs) Right. We'll have to kind of see, but, you know, it's, for me, it's a time, even when I wasn't dating somebody, it's a time where I would cook something really nice for myself. I'd open a nicer bottle of wine for myself right, and treat myself. And I think that's a very, you know, kind of something, yes, we should do it every day, but there are certain days that you can take to be. A little bit more special. Mm-hmm. and I think that's why this wine, to me, works really well. Not only does it work well with the food, because it does work really, <laughs> really well with the food. And pork belly and pinot are, you know, pork and pinot are... What are you going like, to say, mate, now? ...match are a Valentine's Day wonder. Okay. So I used to do what you said. Go get that nice bottle of wine. Cook that really nice meal. And it gets, you know, it got where it's like, it's a labor of love, but it's a labor. And so now that there's places, and it's more and more places, they're finding out that, you know, us older folks, we'd like to just go pick up the food, bring it back. It's not just you older folks. (laughs) Well, open the bottle of wine. Don't have to do much but heat the food back up. Have the wine. Relax. Don't have to do any cooking. Don't have to worry about, oh, did I put the right amount of salt in there, the right amount of pepper, the right amount of whatever. It's already cooked. And maybe they didn't cook it exactly the way I would have liked it. But I'm done. I don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That way, I'm not so tired (laughs) at the end, that I can't say, hmm, let's have a cocktail to begin with. Let's have some <laughs> bubbles to start with. And this is, Let's have a little peanut Noir to end with. And what a great night we've had. Yep. So I agree with you that, that it works really well with the raspberry chocolate. You know, that, that raspberry and that dark chocolate just work really well together in general. And then you get some of those same flavor profiles that you were talking about in the wine come through as well. So, alright. Are you ready? Mmm. Are you ready for the best on plate? I'm ready for best on plate. Alright. So go ahead. Tell us tell us best on plate. That poor chocolate cake, he's sitting there going, I'm best on plate. In a lot of ways he was. Whether he was on my plate or your plate. But like I said about the smoked salmon it was done well but it's not done the way i would have done it so i really like for best on my plate with my bubbles that shrimp cocktail okay and they just seem i mean shrimp cocktail or whether it's just plain old shrimp or whether you made some garlic shrimp with cream sauce would have gone all of those would have gone just perfect with this brute rose oil. okay, for me it was the chocolate cake. So there he is. He said the there way hey. that <laughs> the way it worked well with the acid kind of cut through everything, and the light fruitiness worked well with with all the stuff going on in the cake. To me, that was uh, best on plate. All right, my plate. Well, I'm struggling because I didn't try your little truffle, so he's out. Uh, and the pork belly on port belly fat on the rice was really, really good. But I think for the pairing of the Pinot Noir, which has such good earth tones, those burn-ins were perfect. Okay. And the reason was those burn-ins with that spice made me... Wait a minute. I, I was saying something about that pork belly that was... <laughs> oh. uh That was really good. But really, those burn ins with that spice and the Pinot Noir, that Pinot Noir calmed down that spice and the acid of that Pinot Noir and that charred burn in and the earthiness of that Pinot Noir, they just went together so well. All right, folks, it's time for the blind. No, <laughs> no. you didn't pick, what'd you pick? Uh, you picked the cake, but no. you didn't pick it on this plate. So it's really, really, like it's razor's edge between the two pork bellies. Oh, I see, that's the problem I had. You know, the, the. I just take a last like, bite. The extra char and, like you said, that light spice that's in the burnt ends that comes out up front works so well with it and like you said the like the the wine the Kenright wine just cut through it but the other you know the other pork belly has that like sweetness of the honey that's cutting through and the spiciness the goju jane that hits you in the back and it all like the acid plays so well with all the the fat in it it's a tie it, <laughs> you know it it's really really hard well i had tried I, so you i heard think, me go back I almost Almost changed my answer. <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with the Chinese sticky pork belly. And it's the honey. There's so I use this honey that I got I was gifted from my good friend Kevin's in laws. Good friend Kevin and Renee. Renee's parents oh. have a local friend who makes honey. And there's just this wonderful florid florality that comes through that honey. And I kept getting it with the pork belly mm-hmm. up front. And then you get the spice and mm-hmm. the earthiness from all the other flavors that were going on there. But that floral, that floral note matched the wine to me so well. I agree. That I am really sad we only had a half bottle of this. Can, uh, I, this can, I, can, I, can I
1: change my answer? you can
0: (laughs) well and you know i i said earlier about that pork belly that fat and 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 the acid in the wine i mean they just perfect it works well but that for me it was the floral that florality of the honey worked well with all the flavors in the wine and added because i I love floral and wine Mm -hmm. and i think it added that that element that just made it taste so good and all the flavors linger Right. In, in your mouth so well. It's nothing against the chocolates, but that pork belly store stole the show.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: But right. it is that most infamous time. It's time for a blind. Okay. I'll get so it poured up. get it up. poured up. Okay. So dad has a nice, wonderful red wine poured up for me. There is no evidence of gas or sediment in this wine. It is a dark, kind of purpley, really rich colored wine. Uh, goes out to a watery meniscus. I don't really see any evidence of staining on on the glass. The legs on this are medium plus kind of quick on there and on the smell it's really rich rich wine it is you know i'm getting a lot of really dark fruits like plums cassis almost some like blackberries and currants on it it's really kind of jumping with the fruit there's a little bit of savory herb on it a little bit of flour but the flowers are more desiccated or almost like potpourri type Mm -hmm. There is, I'm getting some oak smell, so there's some, like, baking spice undertone. Very interested to see what this tastes like because I have a feeling it's going to taste a little bit different than it's smelling. There is some staining. I'm looking back at those tears. There's a little bit of staining on there. All right. Wine is clean. Acid is medium plus. Tannins are up there. Medium plus, almost high. right fairly rounded in the mouth. Alcohol is medium. It's not very high here. So for a red wine, we're probably talking 13, 14%. I'm surprised that peanut Noir was only
1: 12.8. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Tannins are high on this wine. Presenting a little bit more earth forward. So definitely some like mushroomy forest floor. Definitely still with those savory herbs we talked about. Almost some like rocky or tariness to it. Uh, dark fruits, confirming all those dark fruits I was talking about—plums, cassis, blackberry. Very dark, dark fruited wine. Mm. It's a little bit more astringency on this wine, and I don't know if it's coming off of what we had, or there's something playing with my former food. But there's a like a a bitter astringency that's there, that almost like. Almost like skin. made like skin bitterness. So maybe that tan is definitely up there. I do like this wine. You've had it before. I think. I was going to say I'm fairly certain I've had it before. Ooh. When I say that about a beer, it doesn't <laughs> help me any. <ain't> he? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so. All right. I think this is an old world wine. I think possible great varieties we're looking at here. I think we're looking Nebbiolo. I think we're looking Tempranillo. I think we're looking I'm, I'm going to just leave it at those two. Malbec, Syrah? Well, Malbec, not really. I got, I'll throw a Syrah there to make a third. I doubt this is a coarse wine, so not really old world Malbec. Uh, I think possible countries we are looking here. Spain, Italy, France. Um, yeah, Okay. So, I think this wine is from France. I think it's from the northern France. I think it's from the Nebbiolo region. I think it is a Nebbiolo. I think it's Nebbiolo. I think it's from the northern part of France. So, no, France? Good God, I can't talk. Okay, I think this is an old world wine. I think it is from Italy. I think it is from the Piedmont region. I think it is of Nebbiolo grape. A variety from a well-known producer. We'll say, what is it, 23? We'll say 2019. And I'm going to put a caveat in here. If it is not Nebbiolo, it's Barbera. I'm going to go ahead and say that. If it's not Nebbiolo, it's Barbera d'Alba from Alba. So, Northern Italy here, one of two possible grapes. Okay. But I'm going to stick with my, my original guess. I do, I do actually think it's Nebbiolo, but if it's not Nebbiolo, it's Barbera. All right. Well, you'll have to find out next week. Well, no. how, whether I'm right or how wrong I am. Wait a minute. Don't say like that. <laughs> That's how I always say it. Okay. All, All right. right. Next, week's and, a, uh, next, next week's a beer week, right? It is a beer week. So what are we doing for a beer week? We had not even talked about it. So next week is a beer week. And here's what I here's what I think, Dad. I think we should do beers that we like while grilling, and we have to have one of our pairings be grilled. Oh, okay. Okay. So, do you know your beers, or are you just gonna kind of wait till next? Well, week? you know, you could you could do loggers, you could do stouts, you could do porters, you can do anything grilling. Exactly. It's pers- This a is dang, a per- this is a personal preference choice. You could do a dang Miller Lite. Personal <laughs> preference choice here. Well. I don't know what beer I'm gonna choose, so stay tuned till next week. Yeah, I think I'm I might have I might do a Scottish wee heavy. That's what you choose. I might I might do a wee heavy, so we'll we'll kind of see. It's still you know cold weather temperature around here, but so come back next week to see what beers we're gonna have with grilling, and we'll have at least one grilled item as a to go you We have to come over early and be far <laughs> off the grill. <laughs> All right, I just got to run, run up here quick from, from my grill. So stay tuned next week. We're very happy to have you guys along with us. Remember, we're out there on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, not Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, you can send us an email, acquiredtastingsgmail.com. Reach out to us on those platforms. We'd love to hear you guys. If you like what we're doing, please hit that subscribe button. And if you really like what we're doing, give us a rating and a review. It really helps us to be known. And best word-of-mouth advertising is you. We really appreciate you guys. If you like what we're doing, tell your friends or have a party and listen to your friends. So for all of us here at Acquired Tasting, once again, I'm Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.